earlier this week, I, I felt the Lord leading away from the book of Luke for the week. And for those of you that know, we're in the series in the book of Luke, This is Jesus, and we we're going to continue on there in chapter 8. And I felt him leading away from that, so I prepared a message out of Second Chronicles uh, chapter 7, and uh, the Lord led away from that one. And uh, then we went to Second uh, Corinthians, and I have that right here in my Bible um, that I prepared uh, for today. I got a whole whole message here. It's going to be about an hour and ten minutes long. No, probably not that long. Um, that even last night uh, I was reading and preparing over, and uh, it was somewhat of a of a rough night. My wife was supposed to be back at a not too bad of a time yesterday, and uh, I drove up to Lubbock to pick her up just because of how the flights were. Waited a while, and she ended up getting stuck in Dallas for the night. And I was there in the car just reading that. I uh, drove back home from Lubbock last night, got home around 2 in the morning and, and slept a little bit and, and woke up uh, with, with no peace on 2 Corinthians, uh, but was directed to uh, Zechariah chapter 4, our theme verse for the year. Um, and you have heard me preach from this text before, but if, you're, if, you're gonna, if you can be patient with me, we're going to be in Zechariah chapter 4 this morning. And I want to be obedient as your pastor uh, to what God has for us. And uh, this is not the way I'll typically operate, I'm not planning on repeating messages, um, but that is what God has us to do today, and I'd rather obey him than do what I want, okay? So let's uh, stand together, Zechariah chapter 4. And God has a reminder for us this morning on the power that we need from him. Not anybody else, not from ourselves, but from him, okay? So Zechariah chapter 4, and we'll begin reading in verse 1. It says, and the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep. And said unto him, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick, all of gold, with a pole upon the top of it, and the seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof. And two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? And the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plain. And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundations of this house, and his hands shall also finish it. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. For who hath despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. Then answered I and said unto him, What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick and upon the left side thereof? And I answered again and said unto him, What be these two olive branches which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? And he answered me and said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then said he, These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Will you pray with me? Lord, we love you, God. We thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you, Lord, for the privilege that it is to be in church together this morning. And God, as we have your word in front of us, Lord, we do not take it lightly. Lord, I know the word that you have us this morning is the message you have us to preach. And God, I know that, uh, Lord, as you've 
instructed this, and as you guide to this, you'll enable me to preach it. As you desire to be preached today, Lord, give me liberty. Help me to trust you in this. Lord, I pray that you would uh, be with our people. Lord, help us to have open hearts and minds. Lord, I pray that we would, that we would be ready to evaluate, Lord, our, our thinking, our, our way of life, Lord, what we are depending on. Lord, and use this message, use this verse, this passage, God, to encourage us to move with your power and your help every day of our life. Lord, bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember at the age of 16, I've shared with you before my, how excited I was to be able to drive, and you've all heard the story of me driving my dad's Crown Vic and, and leaving the parking brake on, and, and I didn't answer that many times. People wondered if he ever found out, and he did not. He did not know that I ruined his parking brake. He probably found out later when he, his transmission needed replaced, but uh, he did not know I did that. But I remember at 16, I, I got my first vehicle, and it was a 1989 Dodge Ram 1500. It was a V8. And I was very excited about that truck, and I loved driving it. It was, it was brown. Part of it was the rust color. The other part was just the old faded paint that was on it. I loved that truck. But it didn't have a whole lot of power. You, know, you hear truck, and you hear V8, and you expect it to be able to, to you know, do what a truck should do. But we lived in Hillsborough, Missouri there on about three acres at the bottom of this gravel road. We had a creek that separated uh, our lot from, from the gravel road there. And, and uh, every time I would have to leave for school, I would go out of our driveway and I'd have to climb this, this big gravel road there. And there were times where I felt like I would have to, like when I would drive my sister to school, I'd, I'd like, you need to get out. I don't think we can make it up this hill. And we would just, just kind of a roller coaster. Might have made those sounds even as we went up, the, went up the road there. But we would slowly, slowly creep up. And then as soon as we get to the top, we could catch speed on the way back down. And after a few months of doing that, I talked to my dad about it. We went to a mechanic and we, we found out that only uh, 25% of the cylinders were getting any type of fuel. It wasn't, it wasn't running on near the power that it needed, so we went to the shop several hundred dollars later. It was good to go, and, it, and that power that we added made all the difference in driving that truck. A lot of good memories in that. As we, as we look at vehicles, we, and we look at just many different things of life, power makes a lot of difference, doesn't it? You know, the children of Israel, as we look here in, in Zechariah chapter 4, they were tired. They, they wanted to do what God wanted them to do. They'd been released and they had been let go after exile and they're trying to build a temple. They're trying to establish homes and lives again. They were trying to do what, what God instructed them to do, but they were growing weary of it. Things were not going quickly for them. Things were not going smoothly for them as their flesh would hope. And in this vision of Zechariah, we look there in, in verse 6. It's one we're all very familiar with at this point. He says, it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. They needed to be living on the, in the power of God. And as we look at this text this morning, the question we need to ask ourselves and evaluate how we're living at this moment, what power are we living by? By what strength are we operating in the world that we live in? The first thing we need to understand here is that with the life we've been given, an important task has been assigned to us, hasn't it? We look at the children of Israel at this point, they had been instructed to rebuild the temple, and we understand in this time of history, there were 70 years of exile, they had been back in Jerusalem for 18 years, and for 16 years, no work had been done. They were excited when they returned back to Jerusalem, and they, for two years, they were laying the foundation of the temple, and we could go back there to the book of Ezra and see a great celebration take place. We've reviewed over this and, and looked over it before. They were praising God for him allowing them to get this temple going. They were dedicating it to him, but then the work stopped. 
There was some opposition there. They retired. They may have just decided to take a break and establish maybe their home a little more. But for one reason or another, they were no longer doing what God wanted them to do. A few months ago, I preached to you out of the book of Haggai, where we saw Haggai speak to the people that, that one, that those three words, consider your ways. And there was an evaluation that needed to be taken place in the children of Israel. And he says, you live in your sealed houses, your paneled homes, you are living in luxury, and my house lies in ruins. And he said, you're deciding to do all these things for yourself and gathering all these things. And he says, you're going out and you're working a job, you're bringing in money, but you're putting it into a bag with holes. It's not lasting. It's not going anywhere he goes you can't have enough food to eat you have food but you're hungry he says you have enough clothes but you're warm but you're cold you're not warm nothing they were doing was was working for them nothing they were doing was bringing any type of satisfaction any in the message from God to them at this point just two months before this was consider your ways where are your priorities are you living for me are you living to please God or are you living to please self so they humble themselves. And two months before this passage, we find in Zechariah 4, Haggai preached to them. They repented. They went up to the mountain. They got wood. They began to build the temple again. And God used Haggai to give that message to remind them of the need for the presence of God and the obedience of God. And God had returned to them. But two months later, we find the Israelites struggling here and they were trying to get the work done. But things have stalled at some point. So Zechariah comes to them with this message from God. And if you look back in, in chapter 1, it was the message was not just to get back to building, but God wanted them to return to him. Look at verse 4. It says, now that you're building, verse 4, be ye not, in chapter 1, be ye not as your fathers, unto whom the former prophets have cried, saying, thus saith the Lord of hosts, turn ye now from your evil ways and from your evil doings, but they did not hear nor hearken unto me, saith the Lord. There were generations at this point that knew what they needed to do, but continually did not choose God. And they may have reverenced God, they may have respected God, but they were not living as God would have them to live and doing what God wanted them to do. They needed to get back to the, the building of the temple, and it was difficult work. It, it needed to be done, and God was going to use them to do it, and they were thankful for that, but they needed to remember as well who their God was, and that they were to be living for their God. We understand this morning that God has instructed us on certain things in the Christian life, different aspects of our life, different activities that should be coming from our life. First Corinthians chapter 1 says, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the what? Glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. Every single act, every single work that comes from us, no matter what it is, needs to be done for God's glory. And if it cannot be, be something that glorifies God, it probably shouldn't be part of our life, should it? But the work that God has called us to do, the life that God has given us to live is an important one. And, and, and the task at hand that God has given us is one that he wants to use us to get done. Isn't that something? You know, God has plans for this church. God has plans here for Southwest Baptist and he wants to use us to get the job done. There's a commission given to every one of us. It's not something that we are unfamiliar with. He says to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's our job. As Christians, that is a duty given to you. That is something you have been commissioned to do. We are to be a witness. We are to tell others of, of our Savior and what he's done for us. And then after we bring them in, after they're saved, then disciple them and teach them to how to live for God. And, 
And we're not alone in that, are we? What did he say? Lo, I am with you, what? Always, even to the end of the world. We can look in the New Testament and in about every epistle that Paul's given, there's instructions given to us in how we are to live. We can look in Ephesians chapter 5, I shared it with you before, on the duty that husbands have to be the husbands God would have them to be, to love their wife, honor their wife. Wives, submit to your husbands and, and love their husbands. Dads, take care of your children, raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Mothers, do the same. If you're a boss, you are to be the boss that God would have you to be and to be a a light in the world as a boss and and treat your employees fair. If you are an employee, you are to respect those that have rule over you and and follow the orders as long as they don't contradict the word of God and, 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 and be a light as an employee out in the workforce. As Christians, there are certain expectations on our life to be salt and light, to make a difference in the world that we live in, to, to lead others to Christ. We understand this morning, it's not a secret to the church what God wants us to do. We know it. It's important. But is it easy? No. It's difficult. There's opposition many times, isn't there? You know, the children of Israel at this point, they knew they were supposed to be building the temple. That wasn't a secret to them. But there was a lot of things slowing them down. The crops were failing. No matter how much work they would do, they weren't getting enough from the crops. They were borderline there in a drought and a famine. We can look at Nehemiah and different, different books. In Ezra, we see a lot of enemies there that did not want them to succeed. Nehemiah, we find Sambalad and Tobiah there outside the wall saying, hey, if a fox goes up, this it's just going to fall down. You're, you're wasting your time. It's not going to do anything. The land was a mess, wasn't it? Piles of rubbish everywhere. Big piles of just crushed up stones and, and things that had been burned down, and they, they looked at the land. It was a mess. This is a discouraged people. And God came to Zechariah to warn them what would happen if they didn't do right, but he was also there to tell them there's no time to stop. You know, the work that God has called us to do is non-negotiable. God hasn't given us the option on if we, if we think we're cut out for it or not. He said, if you're a Christian, this is how you should live. If you're a Christian, you need to live for my glory, not for your own. To, to, live, to live for the one who saved us, the one who redeemed us, not for ourselves. And Zechariah came to them with, with this message and he says, hey, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. It's nothing you can do. It's only what he can do through you. There's a job that needs to be done, so don't quit. But as the job is given to us, in a job that never changes, from a God who never changes, in a word that will never be altered, We live in a world that is changing, isn't it? As the years go by in in all of our lifetime, we've seen one way of thinking turned into another way of thinking. We've seen a certain set of aspirations in people and a recognition of God go to a disrespect for God. No acknowledgement of him often in society. There's many religions, there's many different types of philosophies and churches that have popped up. Most important thing is you and what you want. And no matter what your desire is or where your heart is leaning or no matter if the world says it's something different, if it's what you want, that's okay and that's what you can do. There's temptations everywhere we turn our head. 
I, pr I praise the Lord for cell phones, but that can be advice to people. We can access a lot of garbage there. There's a lot of temptation to fall or be taken down. The stuff we find on television, the things we can stream, the things we can access with just a click of a button, are anti-God and contrary to his word. Then there's a lot of people that used to stand for God, who used to live for him, who used to choose him, that no longer do. There's not just a rebellion against God in the world we live in, there's an outward denouncing of the things of God. The, the church is constantly fighting. There's battles against the church. It's discouraging. And many times it brings many Christians to a point of wanting to quit. Anybody ever felt like that before? Anybody? You ever wake up thinking, what's the use? Why, why do I need to keep praying for this? It's never going to change. Why, why should I get into the word of God? What difference is that going to make in my family and the world? There's a great temptation to quit. But just as God came to Zechariah, just as two months before God came to Haggai and came to Nehemiah to build the wall, to build the temple. I want to remind you today that no matter what the world may do, no matter where people may be headed, no matter who may have disappointed you or who may be discouraging you or no matter what opposition we may face, the task remains the same. Don't stop. Keep going. You know, if we do not do what God has instructed us to do, it won't get done. You are the only father and mother your kids are going to have. You're the only grandma, grandpa your kids are going to have. An important task is given. Are we doing it? But as we look here in Zechariah chapter 4, we, we not only understand that a task has been given to us, but we then see a great power has been supplied. We look at this vision here. He looked there and he, he woke up and he, he was there in the vision and he saw these, these things. It says, I have looked and behold a candlestick all of gold with a bowl upon the top of it as seven lamps thereon, seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof and then two olive trees by it, one on the right, one on the left. This was a prophet. And, and as he looks at those, we see a never-ending supply there. There's the trees and then the trees go to a bowl, the bowl goes to pipes, those go to the lamps. Oil's always there for the lamps to be burning. And in those days, the priests, they'd have to go, they'd have to keep the lamps burning, they would trim the wicks, they would pour oil, and this was symbolizing their job what didn't need to be done. The angel says, do you know what this means? And Nehemiah says, I have no idea. <laughs> you may be smarter than me, but I, I think if I was Nehemiah and I saw those things, it would look pretty cool, but I have no idea really what that was supposed to mean for me. And then the angel spoke to Nehemiah and gave him the interpretation. He says there in verse 6, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. He 
He says, you don't know. He says, it's not by might. It's not by a large group of people or what it's referring there to is a military strength, a, a large troop together that can fight and accomplish a task. It's, it, the work that we've been called to do is not about a great group of people accomplishing it. It's not about power, meaning personal strength. What an individual can do on their own, he says, it's not in groups, it's not individual, but it is going to be done by my spirit. And that picture there is painting this miraculous sufficient supply that will never run dry. He's saying, Zechariah, I want you to get this message to Zerubbabel and the people. I understand that the opposition is heavy. I understand there's a lot of people that are trying to stop you from doing what you have been instructed to do. I understand the enemy is at large. I understand that you are tired and weary. I understand you're hungry, you're cold, you don't have enough money. I understand all of these things. But what I want you to know, it's not about what you can do together. It's not about what you can do on your own. It is about what I can do through you. And that's how the job gets done. No matter how strong your family may be, it's not enough. No matter how many people that love you are around you, that's not enough. It doesn't matter if you've been church from the moment you could, you could, you could open your eyes, that is not enough. It doesn't matter how many times you've read your Bible through, it doesn't matter uh, how, how, how many hours you've prayed, you are not enough. It's only going to get done through him. You know, God won't do the Christian life for you. But he will give you the strength to do it. How often do you look at your life and everything seems right? You have what you need. You have a, you have a good job. You have a family that, that's there. You have people that love you, that care for you. And you still struggle. You have a good support system. You're, you're, you're in a good church. You have fellowship with other Christians. You know the Bible. You have life experience. You've, you've, you've been around the block a couple times. You aren't new at this. But maybe we're failing. Or maybe we're not accomplishing what we feel like we should be for the Lord. Is there a chance that for a while now you've been acting in your own power? Is there a chance for a while now you've been depending on the power of other people? You know, Charles Spurgeon, he said, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are ships without the wind, branches without sap, and like coals without fire, we are useless. I love being on the water. That's why I moved to Midland, Texas. And a dream I've had since a teenage boy is I want to, one day I want to get on a sailboat and I want to take a trip. I want to go somewhere on a sailboat. When I was about 20 years old, I was at, at a lake in Nebraska and there was a man there that owned this little sailboat. It was probably, I don't know, 10 feet long. And, and uh, he said, you guys want to take this out? I, I was all about it. So we get on there and I, I felt like a captain for just a couple hours there. And I remember being out there in Nebraska, we'd sailed out to the middle of this lake and and we uh, stopped and we ate lunch a little bit. And then it was time to start heading back. And there was no wind. So we kind of look at each other and laugh. And the, the, the uh, coast that we need to get to is quite a ways off. And, you know, I'm, I'm a decent swimmer. But that would take a little while. 
We're trying to figure out what we're going to do. This, and this man didn't even have a, any sort of trolling motor on the boat, no way to get anywhere. So we're stuck out there with no wind and no way to, to get back. We started to pray a little bit. <laughs> like, God, we got to get somewhere. We, we, uh, this, we can't just leave this boat here. We need to get back. And so after a little bit, the wind started picking up, and we were able to get a little bit of wind to, to finally just get, to get back home. Sailboat was pretty neat. But without the wind, it was useless. No matter how big the sails were, no matter how well designed the boat was, without the wind, we were not able to get back to the shore. We can have all the experience, all the talent, all the skills, the, the right family, the right church. But without the power of God in your life, you will not accomplish anything that God wants you to do. Without the power of God in your life and, and living by the Spirit of God, we're going to fail. We're going to fall short. You know, Paul wrote in Philippians, I can do what? All things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Not just I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ. God is the wind that we need. There's a lot of obstacles in our tasks today. As we look at the obstacles in front of us, and we understand every one of us, we're supposed to be a witness. We, we, we spoke about, about that a few minutes ago. We're supposed to tell others about Jesus. But does anybody in here ever feel inadequate to share the gospel with somebody? Yeah. I was just sharing with the college class a little bit ago. I, I talk, I'm pretty experienced at it. I've talked to many people. I've led people to the Lord. But I met a guy yesterday I could not even get to take a track from me. But it wasn't up to me. No matter how much practice we may have and no matter how many verses we may know, if we go without God, we're going to fail. And God, and God has told us, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Then ye shall be witnesses unto me. It's not about what we can do. It's not about how skilled we are. It's about what God can do through us. What about the trial you're in? What about, what about your life at this moment? And you may look and you may see a mess, and you may see this big obstacle in front of you, or this trial, or this difficult, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, I am thy God. Then he says, I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. That's easy to say. But if it's in his word, we can believe it. We can trust it, we can act on it. Chapter 5. Where he says, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if we don't want to fall to the lust of the flesh, we need to walk in the spirit. Live by his spirit. How can we fall to the flesh? There may be many of us in here this morning that look at our life and we just see difficulty. Jerusalem, and you may just see a, a pile of stones here and a pile of rubble there and a pile of a burn up old wood over here, and you look at mess after mess after mess in your life, and you may think, What is the use? Thou shalt become a plane. That mess in front of you is going to be removed with God's power. 
says, if you work in my spirit, that mountain of rubble in front of you will vanish. And I'm going to tell you today, no matter how big of a mess you may look at in your life, as you operate under the power of God and not your own, the problems of life won't seem so big anymore. The task given to you won't seem so difficult or so impossible, and you will realize that with God, all things are possible. And then victory is promised. We look there, and it says, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace, unto it. Look at verse 9. The hands of Zerubbabel will have laid the foundation of this house. His hands also shall finish it, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. Zerubbabel was the governor for these last 18 years. For 18 years, he had been leading the project. He was there for the first two.